Hello again, welcome once again to the Coffee and Heroes podcast, again with your host Alan, joined by special guest James, uh, as we are about a month behind schedule with a review of Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, a movie that actually came out originally a couple of months ago, but due to that damn World Cup, uh, we didn't get it in Europe and the UK for sort of a month after the States. Um, a little bit of background, first of all, what are your impressions on Ant-Man 1? I, oh, I really enjoyed the first one, a lot of people didn't. I really did. Uh, Paul Rudd thought it was great, great casting for it. Pretty good actor, in my opinion. Very funny as well, just generally, like he doesn't try and force it. And I think that's kind of what it needed at the time for when the first one came along. And it also went pretty under the radar, as far as I'm aware. Not a lot of people, you know, got behind it or yeah. even kind of knew of its existence until it just kind of hit. It was sort of spoke about in a derogatory way a lot of the time. Um, I know I'm going to get crucified for this, but I'm going to throw it in anyway. But I remember at the time, Zack Snyder was making Batman v Superman and he was asked about the Marvel stuff and I understand where he was coming from when he said this. He said, you know, I'm dealing with two iconic characters here, Batman and Superman. I'm not dealing with Ant-Man, for goodness sake. Ooh, so it could, sort of, <laughs> yeah, it could sort of refer to in a bit of a derogatory way. But yeah, the first Ant-Man for me was a lot of fun. It was small stakes. It was nice to watch a Marvel movie where it wasn't, you know, this is the end of the world. Um, it was essentially a heist movie. It was a reluctant hero movie. He just sort of stumbled into it almost. But I thought it worked very, very well. And it was almost worth catching just for that opening scene where they had a young Michael Douglas who looked like he walked off the set of Wall Street <laughs> and straight into a, a Marvel movie. That's uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Ant-Man, I mean, again, Ant-Man, as much as I enjoyed it, there is a little bit of a what-if to it because Edgar Wright was really far along in the making of it. Then Marvel came in and went, his vision does not mesh with ours, which is... One of the first examples, actually, of one of the, the directors being let go, shall we say, in the Disney regime. Uh, many more examples beyond that, but it was one of the first. Edgar Wright, is that Baby Driver? Director Baby, Baby Driver, Driver, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz. Oh. Uh, he championed an Ant-Man movie for years. Whoa. I think his name is still in the credits for story, I think, yeah. part of it. Apparently the movie is about 80% his. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. That's yeah. Just, uh... But I would have loved to have seen the finished product from yeah. it because I'm a big fan. Uh, so yeah, that brings us to Ant-Man and the Wasp. Now, uh, we'll just sort of do the general plot synopsis first and then jump into spoilers after that. So again, if you haven't seen the movie, don't blame us if we spoil it. Not that there's an awful lot to spoil, in no. fairness, because Ant-Man and the Wasp has the uh, unenviable task of following up the sort of biggest shake-up in the Marvel Universe, which was Infinity War. So they've countered that by setting Ant-Man and the Wasp I was trying to work out the time frame for it actually after we watched it because when I was going in I was under the impression it was three weeks before Infinity War. Um, at the start of the movie though, Scott Lang is under house arrest. It took me a wee moment to remember where we had actually left him and the last appearance he was in was actually he was in a supermax prison at the end of Civil War. The arc isn't it? Yeah. it? Yeah. And I like that they brought it back round from that. They said, you know, oh, you went off and helped Cap in Germany and, you know, you fought against the Skokovia Accords and therefore you're in jail. You've negotiated a release, but you're under house arrest for a couple of years. Uh, in that time, he's learned how to drum. Uh, he's learned how to set up the world's most awesome dad's theme park <laughs> He in his house. He has also set up a business, which is fantastically called... Can you remember? If I you can't, can't. I can't remember. Shocking. The, the, this <laughs> man reviews movies, people. Um, 
the, the security company is called Xcon, which ah. is just awesome. Um, so his crew are you know, setting up the offices. He's doing work from home. And when we're introduced to him, he's two days left of his probation. Um, or his house arrest, sorry. And then he goes on to a few years probation. So I wasn't sure if it was a couple of days before Infinity War or a couple of weeks. By the end of the movie, there's a bit of a time jump from you know, how the how their mission ends and then the mid credits scene you can there's an unspecified time jump there so it yeah, could it could have been a couple of weeks. Doesn't tell exactly. Yeah, there's no like newspaper reports or no. you know, when we saved you two weeks ago or anything like that. Uh, so but it is set uh in a pre Infinity War world. Um again with Ant Man it's not an end of the world story. In fact, this is where I think Ant Man the Wasp is a really interesting movie. You could have flipped around the protagonist and the antagonist and you still would have had a strong movie. Um, which I'll discuss a little bit more afterwards. But yeah, so Scott's coming to the end of his house arrest, but um, what, is, what do you call... Uh, I can't believe it, I'm totally forgetting the character name. <laughs> Other than the Wasp, of course. Uh, what's her character's name? Hope. Hope. So um, you've got Hank Pym and Hope are on the run because, of they, because their tech was used in Civil War. They're wanted by the government as well, so they've been forced to go on the run. They've cut all ties with Scott. But they've also been doing a lot of research into the quantum realm because Scott went into it and he came out the other side. Maybe there's a way that they can, uh, they can save his wife, Hope's mother, Janet. So, of course, it all comes together where they need Scott's help and uh, the movie goes from there. So, yeah, it's very, very personal stakes. It's, we want to try and save your mother. It's not, you know, we know of this big threat that's coming or anything like that. And again, that's what I like about the Ant-Man movies, they are more personal stakes. Um, obviously, Scott wants to help, but he knows if he gets caught in these two days, he's going to jail for 20 years, he'll not see his daughter, he's got his own personal stakes as well. Um, so, yeah, I think it's I think it's a lot of fun. Yeah, fair, yeah. That's a, that's a very fair statement. It's, um, like I said, it's not very, you know, given that it's post-Infinity War, and then, of course, R-rated Deadpool 2, it's just something that's a bit more... Well, it's a step up from Deadpool 2, but that's not hard. <laughs> we talked about that earlier yeah. in the Yeah, year. see earlier podcasts for my bitching about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, very, I'm very happy with this movie. I, I <clears throat> thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. I would actually call it the best direct sequel since Winter Soldier. That's right. Um, someone, and you know who you are, decided to be a smart arse and say, Oh, Infinity War's a sequel. It's not a direct sequel. I mean, a direct sequel to an original movie. Do you want name and shame? Oh, no, they know who they are. <laughs> and I'm sure they'll mention it to me next time they're in. They're one of our six listeners. Um, <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> cut us two out. That's only four suspects. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. But, yeah, for me, it's, it's a much better sequel than Iron Man 2, than Thor 2, than Guardians 2, um, than Avengers 2. I think that it's really, really strong. Yeah, it's um, really putting it up there, aren't you? I I would probably put it in the top ten Marvel movies. Genuinely, I th- I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it, and I think some of that, and I think we've talked about this before, but some of that's to do with expectations. I I was looking forward to seeing Ant Man, but I really didn't go out of my way to see it. Yeah. It was out a good few weeks before I got there, and as I was watching it, I thought, why did I put this off so long? That still does good numbers. Yeah. Every every week for us, still hitting about 70, 60, 70 odd still. And yeah. It's, that's good to say. I mean, Ant Man's the kind of Marvel movie. It's not aiming to break the billion dollar, no. you know, market or anything like that. It usually pops out around five hundred, six hundred million, I think. 
which for a movie like this, which you know, I'm sure they spent two hundred million on this, you Probably, know, yeah. tons of special effects, um, a welcome return for Giant Man, which is always a good thing, yeah. as well. Um, so yeah, so that's that's the general synopsis and our general thoughts. We'll just throw a quick spoiler warning out there. As I say, there's not really tons to spoil in here, but there's a few little things that it's nice to not know going in. Uh, we'll speak about the, quote, villain, first of all, uh, which is a character called Ghost. Uh, I made this statement earlier that you could have flipped the movie uh, and made her the protagonist and made Ant-Man and the Wasp the, the antagonists, and I think it would have worked. I think her story was very personal. She was in pain. Something happened to her that wasn't her fault. Yes, she's went to some dark places. She was trained by the government to like infiltrate other um, countries and kill people and stuff like that. Um, but I think, but you know, she's probably killed less people than Tony Stark, though. So you know, oh, yes. go one podcast without mentioning it. I had really? to go. I had to throw it in there. That, that just came. Just came to me as well. That wasn't. That wasn't pre-planned. I promise. I, 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 I very much doubt that. <laughs> You're sitting here going, "Yep." Gotta but yeah, by but by the end of the movie, I think you feel sorry for her, and by the end of the movie, it's not like Ant Man and the Wasp and Hank and all the rest of them are out to kill her or out to eliminate her they see she's in pain they, they help her and by the end of the movie she's she's actually an ally yeah the trailer <clears> set it up very differently I every time I watch the trailer obviously because it's all a loop in work um, I kind of thought it was she came from the quantum realm as in like she was some supernatural being mm-hmm. but then obviously you watch it and you find out who she is and you're like oh wow that's that's really sad actually it's like you know like I would have watched the full movie of her I Again, another another regular in the store said they thought the villain was weak, but I I don't necessarily think the villain's weak. I just think that it's not really a villain. It's yeah. it's someone for them to go up against because they're both after the same technology for different reasons. Uh, but it's not like the villain's out to grab the technology off those guys because oh I want to stop you going into the quantum realm to try and find your wife. It's just I, I need this for yeah, my own like personal reasons. So it's not really she's not really that much of a uh, antagonist. I don't think. But it is set up well in a way where they both need the same thing, but for very different reasons. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all the fight sequences with Ghost in it, I thought the effects were really well handled. Yeah. The way her body sort of like jumped. Jitters. Yeah, from uh, sort of space to space, I thought was very good. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I like that. And the action set pieces in general were awesome. I thought a particular shout out for the car chase in the middle, which I thought was wonderful, where you had about four different cars in four different directions. They managed to keep the geography of that excellent, I thought. Um, but yeah, all the action in it was was great. That that's what I like about Ant Man. The action sequences tend to be played for humor, but also for spectacle. Yeah. Like I go back to the first movie. I love the whole Thomas the Tank Engine train set <laughs> fight. It's just apparently that was all Edgar Wright. Like all of that was was Edgar Wright's sense of humor, and you can sort of see that. Maybe I'm doing a disservice to Peyton Reed, who's back to direct this one as well. Um, is this actually the first time as well directors have come back for a direct sequel other than Avengers 2? I think it is. Because Thor The Dark World, unfortunately, was directed by a guy called Alan Taylor. Well, it wasn't me, people. Don't blame me. <laughs> um, Iron Man 2. Oh, no, take it back. Iron Man 2 was John Favreau. I'm talking nonsense. It was Iron Man 3. was uh, Shane Black. And that's why it sucked. Uh, Iron Man 3. Yeah, that's, that's, why, that's why I have no hopes for The Predator. But at the same time, that man wrote Lethal Weapon and The Last Boy Scout, two of the greatest movies of all time, especially The Last Boy Scout. Ah, uh, 50-50 then. And actually, recently, he's done good work. The Nice Guys was awesome. Oh, um, was that him as well? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love The and Nice Guys. And Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was excellent. Never saw that. Uh, no, I, I've, I'm looking forward to Predator. Um, I 
yeah, I've, it, it's got no warranty unless there's a unspecified cameo we don't know about. But I know it's just because like Predator, that's like bigger Predator, <clears throat> monster Predator, because it's like apparently yeah. the Predator is like not the only thing that's like a monster. Yeah, but you've got to show something that's not been shown before. So showing a bigger Predator, you know, I, I, don't know. <laughs> you, I haven't seen that before. Predator, bigger Predator. <laughs> you know, the only other twist would be that Arnie has become a Predator. Ah, oh, there's the sequel right there. Get through the chopper! Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, we'll step away from Predator, uh, not go off on a tangent here. Mm. Uh, yeah, so action was great. It was funny. I thought there was lots of great performances in it. You know, Michael Pena as Luis again steals every scene he's in. You know, you would, you would almost think you would get bored of that joke where he rambles on. <laughs> I did not. But I in this that. one, it was great. He's, I loved it. he's injected with like truth serum and, it, you know, he goes on this big long fabled rant I think it's fantastic uh, also the Bud throw away as well the Budweiser whenever they're like no stop making <laughs> stop making what's up jokes it's not 1999 <laughs> what's work. up stop being funny at scary movie one <laughs> now scary movie then had about 19 movies so that's how long ago it was uh, no what's up no <laughs> I no I thought it was funny I laughed yeah Remember I said this movie was funny? Uh, yeah, but like his little rants and even just the little ongoing joke about it's truth serum and the guy trying to be a professional being like, it's not truth serum, it's penifental, whatever. Um, and then by the end, he's injected with the truth serum and he sort of has this realisation of, it is truth serum. There was lots of good rerunning jokes like that. Um, I thought that the FBI agent was actually very good in it, a character stereotypically called J- uh, Jimmy Woo. But I thought he was actually very good as the guy who was always... You, you almost thought he was rooting for Scott. He didn't want him to bit, fail, yeah. but he had a job to do. And then there was that sort of slightly awkward moment at the end where he asks him out for dinner. So I think he had a bit of a thing for him as <laughs> well. That exchange was pretty funny. He's like, yeah. oh, do you want to grab dinner or were you just... <laughs> yeah. You know, I thought that uh, his daughter was once again well utilised, um, Cassie. I particularly liked the bit where it's on TV that the giant man has appeared in... San Francisco Bay and Scott's ex-wife and her new husband are sitting looking shocked and the camera pans down and his daughter's just like laughing away and smiling away like get him dad I kind of like that stuff as well and then it's not a particularly funny role but I thought Walter Goggins was very good in it that was a nice surprise I didn't even know he was in it and he's actually one of my favorite actors Uh, so him as a arms dealer called Sonny Birch was was very good as well uh, so yeah, that's I'm on the wasp. The main thing, just to sort of say, outside of obviously how enjoyable it was. So obviously everybody wants to know how it links to Infinity War. I'd heard so many theories on this leading up to it because people were like, it doesn't. People were like, oh, it does. But, you know, blah blah blah. And then it had because people thought it led directly into it as yeah. to explaining why he wasn't there. But it it doesn't. But at the same time, it links. So. Well, it explains why he wasn't there. Yeah. Because, obviously, he's trapped. Yeah, he's um, trapped but, in the quantum realm. So, yeah, so uh, by the end of the movie, they're able to jump into the quantum realm. There, uh, There's a mid credit scene. Now, first of all, I have to specify, this is a Marvel movie, so I ask you the question, would you sit the whole way to the end of the credits? Of course you would, because it's 40 movies in now, or however many movies. James, did you sit the whole way to the end? I did not, know. There we go. <laughs> uh, just had to get that out of the way. Uh, yeah, the mid credit scene, though, it's... They figured a way to safely jump into the quantum realm and they're able to harness the positive energy out of there to help cure ghosts because yep. they say this is for our you know, teleporting friend. Um, but once you see Scott go into it, I have to admit I did get this sense of foreboding. I thought, 
you know, he's going to come out of there and they're not going to be there anymore. And that's almost what happens. Uh, so you hear that Infinity War sort of creepy music and that sort of turny camera effect that they were doing at the end. <laughs> and all three who were standing outside, um, Janet Van Dyne, Hank Pym and Hope have all disappeared, obviously by the click of Thanos' fingers. I must admit, I thought that maybe Janet would survive. Uh, because they'd made a point when she came out of the quantum realm of I feel different and she had like these new powers and stuff. Yeah, like she was able to like uh, temporarily heal yeah. ghost, you know, by like just touching her. Yeah, so I, I kind of thought she might have survived. Interesting side note actually, for anyone, again we've already said spoilers, but anyone who's going for this movie to watch Michelle Pfeiffer, don't. She's in it about three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> like a, uh... The whole movie's all about saving her. They then save her and then kill her straight away. Yep. Uh, I'm sure she'll come back. Which, by the way, how hot is Michelle Pfeiffer still? Yeah. Even at this age, she's. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't go out of my way to, you know. I'm sure Michelle Pfeiffer feels that loss right now. <laughs> I didn't appeal to James. Damn it! I thought she was. I thought she was really, really hot. Uh, very surprisingly. Um, still got it. Wouldn't wouldn't say hot though. And an interesting uh, trivia as well can. Obviously, she's one of them. Can you name the other one who is now a Marvel and DC stalwart from this movie? So, obviously, Michelle Pfeiffer was Catwoman back in The Abomination that was Batman Returns. Hey. And, uh, and it's now in Janet Van Dyne. So, who's the other one in Ant-Man and the Wasp that has crossed the divide? Come on, it's easy. Uh, it's even no, recent. I know, but I'm trying to think because it's like 9 a.m. and I'm tired. Do you, do you want to put out of your misery? Yeah, do like the countdown rundown and then dun, 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 dun. give you five, four, three, two, one. Lawrence Fishburne's Perry ah! Wright. Batman v. I mean, it was even in Batman v Superman, one of the greatest movies of all time. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that laughter was forced, by the way. He didn't mean that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. Of course not. And yeah, so just final thoughts on Man the Wasp. Again, I really enjoyed it. Top 10 Marvel for me. Fun, light, and to be honest, it was the only way they could have went between the two Infinity War movies. They couldn't have done another end of the world story because no. it would have peeled in comparison to what happened in Infinity War. Uh, they had to go small, they had to go personal, and I think they achieved that brilliantly. Strongly at I-10. Yeah. So, yeah, that's our take on that man. The Wasp, we haven't caught it yet. Uh, it is still playing in theatres, so probably for another few weeks. So catch it if you can. Um, so what we'll do is we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll just do a quick little bit of news and previews for stuff that has been happening recently. So we're back after our little chat about uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. We're, what we're going to just uh, talk about quickly now, you know, can continuing to show that this podcast is on the cutting edge and you know news that only happened yesterday we're going to talk about the uh, some trailers that have popped recently so they've all come out in the last month at the same time it's it's kind of good to take a bit of distance from the trailers and you know form a bit more of a uh, a solid opinion on them watch them a couple of times other people have seen them as well you form your own opinion so again we're not spoiling stuff uh, but yeah out of san diego comic-con i think dc had a massive win and I don't know if a lot of that is because Marvel actively said we're not going to be there. So therefore, DC had a clean clean run at it. But I thought that all the stuff that came out of DC was excellent. I'll, I might do a separate podcast uh, based on the comics news from there. Because uh, there was a lot of exciting stuff launched. But 
James would just look at me with the blankest of expressions if I brought up three jokers or, you know, the Batman who laughs or yeah, he's giving me a blank look as it is. But it sounds really cool. <laughs> he, but I'll he'll 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 listen to that podcast and you know yeah, get back to me. And then be buy it. But yeah, the, the when it comes to the DC stuff, um, a lot of the attention was focused on the trailers for Aquaman and Shazam. Now, before we got those trailers, uh, there was a bit more news on the DC streaming service that's going to be launched this November. I want to say, uh, it still hasn't been announced for Europe which is a bit strange. It's only been announced in the States. It's going to be $8 a month. Beg your pardon. And it's going to be... Sorry, it's going to either be $8 a month or it's going to be $80 up front for the year. And what you're going to get with that is all the DC movies. You're going to get all the DC um, TV shows from the last 60 years, as far as I'm aware. You're going to get access to digital comics. You're going to get access to exclusive statues and figurines, that kind of thing. But the main show that they're spearheading the DC Universe streaming service with is Titans, uh, of which we got the first proper trailer. Now, for me, Titans has, is already fighting a losing battle because we unfortunately live in an age of internet warriors and keyboard warriors and people who are not creative at all but will happily bash other things. And before they've even released anything, they were like, these rough set photos were taken and as a lot of focus was on the character of Starfire and you know her look and how you know there was everything from she looks like you know a three dollar hooker to she looks <laughs> like she looks like really really bad cosplay to you know when it comes to these kind of shows and stuff like that so much of the work is done in the editing the post-production the lighting how it's shot but a couple of out of context photos is enough for people to make up their minds so straight away Titans was fighting an uphill battle and then they released the trailer, and they're not making it easy on themselves, no. uh, I have to say. Personally, for me, I thought the trailer was all right. Um, I, I did read a really good interview after the trailer with Jeff Johns, where he goes through the trailer bit by bit and explains a lot of stuff. And in a sense, that shows that it wasn't a good trailer, because if someone has to come out afterwards and explain it, it's not a good trailer. Yeah, it's always a bad thing. Yeah, a trailer, a trailer or a movie you know, should stand on its own two legs. And this will forever now be known, I'm assuming, as the fuck Batman trailer. <laughs> you know, I'll stop talking. I'll. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I think I, uh, I'd actually written down here that it was always going to struggle, like the content you got shown of it first off, because literally three weeks prior to that, you had the Teen Titans go to the movies animated film. Mm-hmm. And so... For me, they have seen you know countless trailers for that, and then to now be seeing it you know in the cinema mm-hmm. to then having such a dark retrospect like of them, I'm like, I can't take it seriously yet. So from like you know Robin chasing about after Beast Boy and like an animated slur to you know fuck Batman, it's like oh whoa whoa, it's like I just can't I can't get my head mm. around it yet. And you don't to me personally in the trailer you don't you don't get a good enough look at the rest of them it's only yeah. really mainly Robin you get that kind of full yeah. five seconds shot of that you're like okay yeah right you're kick ass all the rest of them are kind of just like flashing glimpses sort of thing yeah. so you know to me I didn't get a good enough look at it also like I say I've never watched either the cartoon or you know red comic versions of Titan so mm-hmm. I know I know the basics of them and like why they're formed and stuff, but I don't I don't know like how they come to be and stuff like that. And it kind of bothers me as well. It's like it's you know cyborg is in it, mm-hmm. but you know you just had that absolute 
I'm, I don't really want to curse, but I'm going to clusterfuck last year, which was Justice League, and seeing that, so that's kind of thrown me off as well, because I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that that yeah. side of things doesn't bother me because obviously you've got Flash on TV, you know, um, and then a different Flash in Justice League. Um, so that doesn't really bother me quite so much. You know, you've got loads of different variations of Batman across different movies and stuff and cartoons and TV shows. And Like I said, it's probably because I don't know enough of the background yeah. comic book-wise it, it, that I'm just going on. It is a strange it. choice to throw Cyborg in there, in <laughs> fairness, when you're already trying to establish him in the movie world. It's... I suppose it's different because Batman's so recognisable, whereas Cyborg is maybe not as well known to a lot of people. Yeah. But maybe that's what they're trying to do. I'm not sure, but... Uh, what was your take on it? I, I thought it was alright. I thought... I, I understand the reason for the fuck <clears throat> Batman line, but at the same time, it's not the kind of thing I think Dick Grayson would say. If it had been Jason Todd, or it had been Damian Wayne... Then it makes sense. It makes sense, because Nightwing's always been seen as a much more upbeat cheerful optimistic character but at the same time in the context of that scene i understand its usage because robin jumps down all these thugs for a second are scared and then they just sort of go whatever you know where's batman you know they're not even scared of him and then he proceeds to kick their asses and then goes you know fuck batman so i understand the context within the scene um i understand they're trying to in a way it's probably a smart move doing it because if nothing else it's got people talking about it yeah you know, if it was just another sort of blasé trailer for another TV show based on another comic book property, would people be talking about it as much? Probably not. You throw in the fuck Batman line, suddenly it's trending on social media. Yeah, you know, it's like so, viral. Um, Is it set in Gotham City? Haven't or, specified yet. Haven't specified. It wouldn't surprise me if they move around. I mean, if if it's got Dick Grayson in it and he's a cop, it's probably in Bloodhaven because Dick Grayson stops being Robin, moves to Bloodhaven and becomes Nightwing. But he's still got the Robin outfit, so I'm not 100% sure, but when he's a cop in the comics, it's in a city called Bloodhaven, which is like a neighbouring city to Gotham. You really need to educate me sometime, because all these storylines sound so cool. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I I thought the trailer was, I thought it was alright. I'll I'll certainly watch it. I'll certainly give it the first couple of episodes a go. Um, I'm just hoping it's another Flash or Arrow and not another Gotham, because... I like, don't get me wrong, first season of Gotham, thoroughly enjoyed it, after that, way downhill. Like, I mean, like, at a yeah. like, really deep incline. Gotham's just a massive missed opportunity for me, because the comic book Gotham Central is one of the best things you'll ever read, which is all about being a cop in Gotham City with all these costume vigilantes and, you know, psychopaths running around. How do you get to be a regular, you know, blue-collar cop and, you know, have a normal life in this city? And it was a great comic series, only like 40 issues or so. Um, but that's what they should have made with Gotham, but they instead went down a whole different route, which wasn't for me, but, you know, that's, that's by the by. Uh, but what I do like to think with this Titans trailer, and again, I don't think Warner Brothers executives are this clever, but I have this theory that the reason they released the Titans trailer first is because it's so dark that everybody goes, oh, here we go again, typical DC, it's all so dark, it's blah, blah, blah. Then they go with the one-two punch of Shazam and Aquaman, and you go, holy shit, this is so bright and colourful <laughs> and hopeful and funny and fun-looking. It almost made those trailers seem even better than they were. I don't think any Warner Brothers executive is that smart. Uh, maybe I'm clutching at straws as well. But yeah, once we get hit with the Aquaman and Shazam trailers, I was blown away pretty much by both because I had such low expectations for both. 
Yeah. Again, Shazam's another comic character I know next to none about. We're we're not far apart now. Yeah. It's not a character I'm massively familiar with. So, you know. But I mean, I watched the trailer and I was like, oh, it's like, hold on, we had DC doing comical stuff? Yep. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, the, the trailer had all the right notes. The trailer yeah. was very much big meets Superman. You know, it's you know <laughs> yeah, that's a very good Yeah, very if we if we were all if we were all kids, I mean if we had the chance to be a superhero, of course you would take it, it'd be amazing. Uh, yeah. You know, so Shazam looks really fun. It doesn't look sort of quite as you know, big budget and uh, as some of the other movies and stuff. But I think it looks really fun. They've struck a good tone with it. And hopefully this will get a few people on DC's side. Which do you decide to know when that's scheduled to come out? As, like, Shazam, I believe, is this year. No, it's early next year, I think. It's February. Don't oh, quote me on that. Okay. Because I believe the only DC movie this year is Aquaman, which is due in December. And the trailer for this blew me away. Uh, the sheer epic scope of it, I thought, was phenomenal. Yeah. I thought it looked brilliant. I thought... Like, you go back to Justice League again, and again, it shows you how different directors <laughs> approach different things. And... Justice League, there's this scene where Arthur and Mira talk, and Mira does this sort of, you know, water magic where she creates this bubble that they talk in. And all I could think the whole way through that scene was this is clearly just shot in front of a green screen. It's yep. so fake looking. 100%. But there's a couple of parts in the Aquaman trailer where they just talk underwater, yeah. and they just talk normally. And you're like, oh, so simple. Yeah, it's like, so why do you need to create a bubble underwater? Why did you spend X amount of money doing that for something that looks worse? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, again, Aquaman, it's not a character I have tons of exposure to. I thought the new 52 run was pretty awesome uh, because it was written by Jeff Johns and made Aquaman a real kick-ass character. You know, there's a part in it where he uses a tornado to, you know, which is full of sharks. Hmm, that he, sounds awfully familiar. Can't go wrong with that. <laughs> this, was in a, this was in a pre-Sharknado world. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is probably, you know, one of the bases for Sharknado. People have found <laughs> That sounds great, uh, but Aquaman did it first, uh, just so we're clear, uh, and that was in the new 52 run, so I've, I have a lot of hope for Aquaman, you know, there's, there's a, couple of, a couple of shots in the trailer that just, the scale of it is fantastic. Personally, I think it's, it's very, gone, it's going to be very heavily reliant on its CGI, which right, I, I get, like obviously mm. it has to be, because well, it's on, but I mean, even just the opening to the trailer, I was like, ah, uh, you know, like, you know how he came to be it's like my father was a lighthouse keeper way there you go it's you know like my mother was a queen it's like okay yeah your father that's, was a lighthouse keeper. that's the comic book origin i know but it's just to me that's just so cliche you know it's the comic book <laughs> origin it's, just, I don't it's know. a character that's been around for about <laughs> 70 years i just don't like oh him. it's so cliche i just don't like aquaman i don't like jason momoa you know i just don't like him he's just a douche to me like oh my god uh, oh, he was a douche to you? That's no, the way no, that sounded? No, no, not me. I met him this one time and he was a douche to me. No, actually, my friend did. We served him one time and uh, actually very recently and just told me he was a complete nerd dick. And I was like, yeah, he looks at, I mean, a spewing one-liner character who's completely 2D. And then you release a trailer of his film and he's still that one-liner. You see how positive I was character. trying to be, guys? I was trying to be up, <laughs> happy and upbeat about things. And he just drags me down. Hey, you know? it's, I guess I mix it. It's all right because it'll be completely flipped once we hit yeah, Venom. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I, don't get me wrong. I think Mantis looks Mantis. I think he looks Black really Manta. cool. Black Manta. Black Manta. I think he looks really cool. 
I think all of the, the designs all look great. You know, Ocean Master looks great. Patrick Wilson, I think that Nicole Kidman looks great in it. I think Amber Heard looks great as Mira. Look, I um, could be proved wrong. I could be proved entirely Well, again, it's, sometimes it's good to go into movies with lower expectations yeah. because then you're you know, pleasantly surprised. So there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I, I was given a lot of hope by this trailer, uh, I have to say, because I wasn't expecting much from it. And I was really, I was pretty blown away by it. I've probably watched that trailer seven or eight times by now. And I, I, I'm not the kind of person that watches a trailer and then breaks it down bit by bit by bit by bit. But if I enjoy a trailer, I'll watch it a couple of times, yeah. sort of thing. Um, How yeah. does Black Manta come about, by the way? Is he like just as, has he always been as arch nemesis? Well, there's no point telling you origins because they're cliched, even though they were 70 years ago. Um, <laughs> Screw you. Saying nothing else. <laughs> right, so that's the DC side of things. So, yeah, so DC, as I say, they, they did a lot of their stuff at San Diego Comic Con. Whereas Sony slash Marvel have been doing their bits and pieces outside of it. So first of all, there's an animated movie coming soon, which is Spider-Verse. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest, I've only seen the first trailer and then I haven't really went beyond that. I understand you've seen it a bit more than myself. Yeah, so they released the teaser trailer um, a couple of months back and then they released the first full trailer. I love everything about it. The the art style in particular is what really casts me with this one. It's... Mm -hmm. It's like cell shaded, like two point five D. It's not quite three D, but it's that sort of yeah. You know, sh like oh, cell shaded stuff. So yeah. like early two thousands, yeah. <laughs> but it looks. I just think it looks really interesting. Also, like Jet Set Radio on the Dreamcast. You know, yeah, near two thousand. <laughs> um. The also the whole like the whole story of it because it's called Spider Verse is because you have Miles Morales, you have Peter Parker. You have Gwen Stacy all coexisting together in the same universe. So it's going to be obviously talking about so how kid, that happens. So kids, if you want to know the story of Spider-Verse, it happened in the comics a few years ago. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> James doesn't read comics. I want to, okay? I just haven't got around to it yet. Um, also, the voice casting, mm -hmm. I think, is, is also what's really drawn me to this. Uh, um, Haley Steinfeld's been confirmed as Gwen Stacy. And <laughs> a really good one. Um, Nicholas Cage has been confirmed Spider -Man as Spider-Man Noir. Noir, which yeah. I cannot wait to see happen. Like, yeah, the renaissance of Nicholas Cage continues. You know, in the same year, Superman and Spider-Man. You know, I just want to hear him say, "Not the bees." If I could hear him say that in just some way, she performed that film. You would be happy. It would just make my life. I could die a happy, man. <laughs> but yeah, I'm really, I'm just really intrigued. Bad to see how it goes about on screen, how they play it out, and of course. I don't really know a lot about Miles Morales as Spider-Man, so it'll be interesting. And they've kind of done sort of over-the-top versions of like the main like kind of antagonist, or like the Green Goblin. Mm -hmm. He is an actual like massive like mutated freak goblin. So, but it's like oh, but you know he still has like his obviously because it's just mm -hmm. um, like a serum. He still has his, you know, like his human state of mind. He's just like massively built. Yeah. Just lobbing goblin bombs around. There's also like a purple guy in it. I don't I have no idea he looks familiar but I can't remember what his name is he's like he's all purple he looks like Spider-Man but yeah. he's like purple and wears like a cape thing I don't know but it looks cool I can't wait yeah I'll watch it at some point I'm sure uh, I'll add it to my very long <laughs> list at the moment I'm working through the Marvel TV shows so <laughs> a little bit behind uh, and then yeah the other one is Venom now <laughs> yeah. um, that tells you all first of all why are there three trailers for a movie that's not out for a few months? I would say. 
Second of all, why did you start marketing this movie without showing Venom in the first one? Third of all, I think this is going to be a disaster. And I really don't want to say that. I really hope it's fantastic. I love Tom Hardy. I really like Michelle Williams. I think they've got a good cast there. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it, It just doesn't look for me. I think... I've said this to a few people and there's no way to realistically make an eight foot tall symbiotic version of Spider-Man who's evil. But it just looks so fake and false. It looks Justice League level false effects. And again, that kills me every time I say that, but it looks... I just don't think this looks good. And I was already worried enough about it. And then just before we started recording this, you had obviously chatted about something else regarding the movie, which I'll let you bring up, which just continues to show that I don't think they know... I don't even think Sony knows what this movie is. (laughs) No, now, before I bring that up, we'd actually talked about this in a previous podcast about how... um, you know, the first trailer, if you didn't know anything about it, you, you wouldn't would even think know. it's just like a like a Mission Impossible style, you know, thriller film of some mm. sort. Yeah, um so at the moment they're currently debating whether to keep you know, keep it R rated or degraded to a twelve A because of the potential crossover cameo from Tom Holland the Spider Man. Yeah. And I think if they do this then there is no hope for Sony at all. Just yeah. fair enough. Sony hasn't been great at superhero films, we know this, but... You I thought just, they'd maybe turn the corner with some of Marvel's involvement with Homecoming and, you know, <coughs> integrating it into the Marvel Universe. Yeah, don't get me wrong, like, I, I, you know, I enjoyed Homecoming, but because it's that, you know, it's that 12A film, yeah. you know, so I kind of thought with this, it's like, right, you know R-rated films work. Like, yeah. you know they do. So just stick to your guns and go with what you were going to do, and that's R-rated. It yeah. ha- like... Venom to me does not work in any other level except R-rated. You yeah. know, like that whole, tra- you know, the trailer where he talks about eating the guys like limbs, then his arms and his legs and his face until he's just like a turd rolling turd. down the street. Yeah, I mean, I kind of get the feeling that the trailer might be more R-rated <laughs> than the movie ends up being. Yeah, you know, but like but even like a turd in the wind, and I'm just like, this yeah, is not that's... funny either. It's no, I fu- yeah, and I... it's not threatening either. No, see, it just comes across as stupid. Yeah, I never actually, I didn't hear what he said the first time yeah. until I listened to it a couple more times I was like oh okay but you know it's fair enough it doesn't sound threatening but even if I saw that happen in our rated style like being ripped yeah. apart I'd be happy enough but the fact masochist that yeah but well what can I say slightly <laughs> homicidal but <laughs> blame my obsession with American Psycho for that yeah but just the fact that you know they're now debating it it's like guys yeah you should have known what this movie yeah, was before, before you started rolling on it you know there's no point making a dark movie and then sanitizing it the whole way through yeah just yeah. just to appeal to like a wider audience yeah and this is something that me and you have been quite strongly opinionated on the like past couple of months is the whole you know downgrading it yeah. mass marketing it you know as opposed to just making the best possible movie you can especially for the fans because let's be honest if you're a Venom fan you're not a 10 year old boy <laughs> or girl no you're probably a teenager and above so yeah. you kind of wonder who they're making the movie for so for me if they want to have the best possible chance with this they need to leave it so our rating just in case those that don't know our rating in, in America is sort of 17 and over although if you're over 17 you can bring a 6 year old in with you if you want they put all the responsibility in the parents but that usually translates on this side of the world to a 15 or an 18 rating. Uh, whereas, you know, 12A would be like a PG-13 over in the States. Um, but yeah, for me, Venom has to be at least a 15 rated movie. You know, you're aiming for the Deadpool crowd. Yeah, you know? 100%. And it can't be as bad as Deadpool too, no. as well. See, I just don't like, I also don't like Michelle Williams anymore because 
that whole mess with uh, all the money in the world that started this year, where she kicked off a oh, big fuss. Oh, that was the Kevin Spacey thing, wasn't it? Yeah, well, Christopher Plumper. Uh, uh, he ended up taking over from Kevin Spacey. And reshoots, and, yeah. but because of the reshoots, she kicked off a fuss because she didn't get paid as much as Mark Wahlberg. Even mm. though she didn't agree that with her agents, and she made a big me- like fuss about it. Yeah, but that's you, you can't judge someone for saying I didn't get paid as much when it's clearly... But she negotiated it. But like, <laughs> but like Mark Wahlberg paid something like a million dollars for four days' work or something. Yeah, but, and, but, he, yeah. and he can't even act. Yeah, but then like, it just a lot of people had backlash on him. And yeah. was like, oh no, I wouldn't backlash it on him. I would backlash it on the studio. Yeah, you know, yeah. Whoever, whoever the money men are. Yeah. I wouldn't backlash that Mark Wahlberg. At the end yeah. of the day, he's clearly a very clever businessman yeah, exactly, and very know, like, astute. Yeah. Or she then just took it off and you're like, oh, come on. No, I like Michelle Williams, so uh, I think she'll be good in that. Um, <coughs> you know, I'm a unashamed Dawson's Creek fanboy, so uh, so I have no problem with that. But yeah, Venom, I, my hopes are not high for it, but again, maybe this will turn out to be a good thing and then I'll be pleasantly surprised. But I have high hopes for the character. I also like Tom Hardy. I like the cast. But if they can just figure out what the movie is and then make it the best possible movie they can instead of going, oh, let's cut this scene by a few seconds and that'll bring the rating down and this and that. Because you still can't introduce Cletus Cassidy into a 12A film. Yeah. Carnage, that just will never work. Yeah, that's the other thing. You know, you're, you're maybe sanitising your future movies by sanitising this one and then it's just not going to work. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, yeah, that's, that's all the trailer news we can sort of uh, think about. Um... What we will do is we'll just, again, take a very quick break and then we'll come back and we'll just chat a little bit of casting news very quickly. Okay, so back for the third part of uh, today's podcast. Uh, This time we're just going to be chatting very quickly about some uh, casting news. Uh, As ever with fandom, casting news can often be the hardest part for any movie coming up. People get excited about certain characters, about certain directors, but everybody seems to have an opinion on actors being either the best thing in the world for a role or the worst in the world. You know, there's plenty of form for this in the past, the uproar when Michael Keaton was cast as Batman, the uproar when Heath Ledger was cast as the Joker, etc, etc, etc. But the latest one for this is actually for a TV show, which is not even being made yet. Uh, it's going to be the casting of Ruby Rose as Batwoman. Now, this is going to take place, first of all, in the, the annual CW crossover. So, for those who aren't massively into those shows, basically what they do is once a year they do a big, massive storyline where there will be, say, four episodes to that storyline. Part one might be in Flash, part two might be in Arrow, part three in Supergirl, and part four in Legends of Tomorrow. So this year they're going to introduce Batwoman and then by extension Gotham City uh, with the hope being that this goes so well that then they will shoot a pilot for a Batwoman TV show and then hopefully that you know joins their stable of shows as well. So the casting of Ruby Rose, I'll be honest, she's more a face that I recognise rather than being familiar with her work. You know, you'll see her in sort of like the fashion tabloids and <clears throat> movie premieres and stuff like that. The main thing I know her from is from John Wick 2 where she plays uh, a mute assassin and I understand she's in Orange is the New Black yeah I never watched it don't watch it myself yeah. uh, apparently she comes in around season 3 so her stuff's kind of limited uh, but I must admit when I saw this casting I thought this was perfect I thought good looking woman you've seen her in John Wick she knows how to handle and choreograph a fight scene uh, and look convincing with it 
but the casting of her was met with uh, quite a lot of uh, anger. I love how people get angry about this stuff as well. <laughs> it's just like, can you not be happy that we're getting the Batwoman TV show? No, let's be angry about it and try to veto it. Uh, yeah, people got really opinionated, got really nasty. This is the other thing. It gets really nasty and personal towards the actors slash actresses. And it got to the point where she left Twitter and left all forms of social media. And to be honest, I don't really blame her. Um, it mustn't be nice to have your phone buzzing every 10 minutes and it's something negative. Yeah. Uh, I mean, again, I, I think this is great casting personally. I've said it to people in the store. We've had a couple of discussions about it here and there. What people need to remember, I think, about superhero stuff is they're not playing Hamlet. They're not playing Oscar-nominated movie roles, unless you're Heath Ledger. But <laughs> he made that role iconic rather than anything else. But... You know, you, you just need to look good on screen and look good fighting, and that's that's it. Uh, yeah, like uh, I, I get it. Um, the only thing I'd said, I wasn't angry with it. The only thing that I said about it personally was that, to me personally, she hasn't appeared in big enough films, and if she has, it's only been as like a like a background. But she's character. not cast in a film. What was Stephen Amell in before he was Arrow? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> what was Grant Gustin in apart from Glee before he was Flash? N- yeah, nothing. You know, people people seem to think you need to have a big massive background in f- movie making before you can be cast in these roles. <laughs> and that's what I don't get. I mean, Melissa Benoist, the only thing I can remember from is Whiplash. Who the hell's that? That's Supergirl. Ah, right, okay. So, exposing his lack of knowledge there. Um, but the only thing I can remember her from, she's in Whiplash. She plays the girlfriend in Whiplash that he ultimately says, look, I don't have time for you. Never, um, never watched it. Ever watched Whiplash? I've heard I should. Great movie. Yeah. Brilliant movie. She's hot though. Come on, it's it's <laughs> it's J. Jonah Jameson shouting Mr. Fantastic, you know. Admittedly, shitty Mr. Fantastic, but... I was going to say, like... Mr. Fantastic nonetheless. And then you've got Supergirl. More do you need. Uh, but no, it is. It's genuinely a brilliant movie. Yeah, um, I would highly recommend it. <clears throat> but yeah, just going back to this point, I... Oh, she hasn't been in anything big. None of these guys were, you know. The guy who plays Daredevil was in Stardust, and that was all I can remember him from. Charlie Cox. Good God. Um, Jessica Jones, Kirsten Ritter. The only thing I can remember her from was she played Jesse's girlfriend in one season of Breaking Bad. Um, you know, these people get so bent out of shape. I mean, who who's going to be bigger? I mean, let, let's throw it out there. Who would be bigger than who Ruby Rose is to do this character? Like, yeah. like if people offered up alternatives, I yeah. think opinions would be much more valid. I think it would be a case of, well, would this person not be good for it or this person? But I've seen no one else offer any other opinions. Yeah, that's, that is true. Also, there was quite the big, like, well, that, it wasn't backlash as such, but obviously because she's the first LGBT, you know, woman to such to portray that character on screen for the first time. A character who is a yeah, lesbian. Is lesbian yeah, but there are a lot Someone of- actually said she's not lesbian enough. This is one of the things <laughs> I read. She's not lesbian enough for this role. Now, Ruby Rose is a very famous out there lesbian. Yeah. I don't know if she's she swings both ways. or I, I don't really care about her personal life. I, it's nothing to do with me. Live her life however she wants. Um, but as far as I'm aware, she's been outed by her own choice since she was about 12. Yeah, it's been quite from a young But she's not lesbian enough. <laughs> I just I'm lost for words sometimes. Yeah. This is why we don't deserve nice things sometimes because see fandom it can get so ridiculously over the top and protective about things. We all want things to be the best they can be. We all want them to be entertaining, but throw your weight behind them. Don't 
criticize them and nag at them. Like, I always come back to this and I'm sick discussing this movie. But The Last Jedi was not for me. And that's fair enough. But I'm not about to go and start abusing people on Twitter and abusing actors and actresses who were following the direction of the director and the writing of the script. Like the girl who played that character, Ruby. Did I like her? Not particularly. Am I going to go and start blasting her on Twitter? No. I've got better things to do with my time. But yeah. some people just take this stuff so seriously, it's, it's actually scary. Um, I mean, by all rights, have an opinion, have a discussion, chat with your mates about it. But not like a... Don't yeah. slam them. Don't, you know, abuse them. Especially in a public forum as well, because yeah. who's going to jump behind you on that? I just... I don't understand the thought process. Um, it's really over the top for me, I have to say. But... Uh, but anyway, um, the, the bottom line in that casting, I think, genuinely, is, is great work. If, if you've never seen John Wick 2, first of all, why not? <laughs> yeah. uh, but second of all, if you, if you genuinely haven't, go back and watch it. She, she holds her own against John Wick, and as well, all know, in these movies, Kenny Reeves has portrayed this guy as like the ultimate fighter, you know, hand-to-hand combat, and she holds her own against him. Yes, it's all fake, but so is the Batwoman stuff. It's all going to be fake as well, but... <laughs> It looks good, so I'm I'm on board with this casting. I reckon she'll look pretty hot in the costume. But even then, you know the thing is with the costume, all you can see is her mouth. Yeah. This is what always amazes me when people go on and on. I remember when Ben Affleck cast as Batman. Another good example. Oh, he's gonna look terrible in the suit. You're only gonna see his mouth, and you know, let's be honest, nine times out of ten, it's gonna be a stuntman. Yeah. You know, and it's gonna be the same with this. You know, it's gonna be a stunt woman um, performing a lot of the stuff. Uh, so, yeah. Enough said on that. Uh, the other sort of casting thing we were going to have a quick discussion about was um, Jake Gyllenhaal is someone who has been sort of hanging around superhero movies or rumoured for superhero movies for quite some time. He was originally being used by the studio as leverage to get Tobey Maguire back to do Spider-Man 2 because um, apparently he was playing hardball. And I remember thinking this at the time, actually, how similar they looked. You could have just slid him in there. You wouldn't even notice. Um... Although he could have never replicated Tobey Maguire's strut in Spider Man Three. I was gonna say though, Tobey Maguire playing hardball. Don't think he had the. He was. <laughs> I think he was Oscar thing. nominated at that point. I can't remember the movie. What movie for? But I think he was like pretty high stand. Yeah. Um, and then there's been rumors all about Matt Reeves possibly for a Batman movie going younger, maybe getting rid of Affleck and Gyllenhaal's been mentioned. But the new name he's been fired for is for it's for Homecoming too, isn't it? Yeah, or far, far, far from, from home. home. Yeah, as Mysterio. Now this would just make my day, because I remember watching the you know TV series, the you know cartoon series as a kid, mm-hmm. and one of the, the characters always it kind of it kind of freaked me out because he was so cool. Was Mysterio? Now, mm-hmm. if you don't know who Mysterio is, he is an optical illusionist. So he's not exactly you know he doesn't exactly have any superpower. Like most of Spider-Man's villains, you know, he kind of has his own kind of brand of technology, you could say, in order mm-hmm. to make it work. For example, Dr. Octopus, mechanical limbs welded onto his body accidentally. Scorpion, just a big, massive scorpion suit. <laughs> uh, Rhino for, well, this is a pretty bad example, but it's the most realistic one from uh, Andrew Garfield's run as Spider-Man. Uh, is a big, massive mechanical mech suit, you know, so... He's Someone that they built all the advertising around for that movie. <laughs> and he appeared in it for two minutes in what has to be the worst line I've ever heard. I am the rhino. Yeah. Played by, what, what's his name? Does he say bitch? 
I'm the right. No, maybe I'm thinking of Vinnie Jones and I'm the juggernaut bitch. Yeah, you go, yeah. Um, it was Paul Giamatti. There you go. The worst thing ever. But anyway, and then that kind of just ends and you never saw Andrew Garfield again. Uh, but yeah, so Mysterio's an optical illusionist. And he's just, I, like, he's, you know, with today's technology, I feel that if he is confirmed for a role, you could do so much for this on screen. It would be so kick ass. Think of I'm thinking levels of like Doctor Strange, yeah, optical illusionists. <clears throat> I mean, I think it'd be really. It cool. depends how far they want to take it, doesn't it? True, yeah, but because he is that character, that is his background mainly. I think you would kind of have to go down that route if he mm-hmm. is, you know, confirmed. He's definitely. I think it's Mysterio is definitely being confirmed as the villain. It's just who plays him, really. Yeah, I mean, so. some people are thinking: is this a tactic for? Um, DC to play their hand and say, or DC Warner Brothers, and say, oh, well, do you want Batman? Some people think that he's been waiting around for the Batman role, he's been mentioned for it, yeah. and it's a case of, well, if you're not going to make me Batman, I'll just go over here with these guys and be Mysterio, because we all know how territorial these companies are about this stuff. Whether that's true, I don't know. I like Hall as an actor. I think that um, he was exceptionally good in Nightcrawler. Fantastic. Um, so re- dark and really great movie you know it's strong comparisons like with taxi driver and stuff and i can totally see that um he was also very good in a movie called end of watch with michael pena never saw that really good it's almost like a handheld cop movie it's um basically this camera crew following these two cops around la and they're both quite corrupt it was based on some true stories as well but it was very good as well so he's, and then he's got the more sort of well-known rules, things like Brokeback Mountain and stuff like that. So Demolition he's, as well. Yeah, so he's certainly got the acting chops for something like this. Uh, could be quite interesting. Um, other than that, they're not really, other than Mysterio being, we think, confirmed as the villain. Uh, they haven't really announced much more regarding Far From Home, simply because, obviously, we're still waiting to see what happens with Infinity War. Oh, yeah, of course. Because, um, of course, how can they make Spider-Man Far From Home and Spider-Man is, you know, gone. Uh, and never coming back Um, so we'll just have to wait and see on that so but yeah I'd I'd get on board with Gyllenhaal I could get on board with him as Batman as well but if it was my personal preference I'd like to see Affleck given a proper dark detective movie Um, not an end of the world thing not something with loads of CGI something like Court of Isles or Hush or Long Halloween just a great detective so I think he's earned it in the role or Sub-Zero I wouldn't mind seeing that adapted on big screen it was the cartoon of Mr. Freeze. Yes, but you have to remember the last time Mr. Freeze was in a movie. Yeah, yeah, I tend not to. Yeah, yeah. We, we have to get away from that. Uh, I mean, if it was Freeze, it, it should be Heart of Ice. Very classic um, origin story for Freeze through uh-huh. the animated series. But no, Hush would be perfect, or Long Halloween or Court of Owls, simply because it, it contains all of Batman's rogues gallery in those stories. But it's not a Joker story, it's not... Um, a penguin story they're all there as periphery characters and those three movies or those three stories sorry all introduce new villains which i think would be really interesting because everybody knows who the joker is at this point everybody knows who two-face is everybody knows who the riddler is um so it'd be great to see them do something new but also just i love the idea of a batman movie where it's the world's greatest detective it doesn't have to just be a guy who can fight in a suit um so if you're listening Warner Brothers you want me to write that that's no problem um, I'd rather you got Scott Schneider in to write it but you know why would you hire comic book guys to write a comic book movie that would be <laughs> silly <clears throat> anyway I digress slightly as I always tend oh, to always do <laughs> so yeah we'll, we'll stick a pin in it there so we will um, 
and I'm sure we'll be back soon with some more bits and pieces. There's not really an awful lot coming out in the next little while. No, Like, superhero-wise. I mean, you've got Aquaman, but that's not to the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, Fox slash Disney slash whoever owns the movie rights are messing around, as we chatted about with New Mutants and Dark Phoenix. Um, Captain Marvel's not till next year. It's actually a strange situation where you have no superhero movies to look forward to. We've yeah, been, it's, it's so spoiled. Yeah, faced a situation like this before. Like this year alone, I mean, there's been Deadpool 2, there's been Infinity War, there's Black been Panther. Black Panther, there's been Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, you know, we're only, what, eight months into the year and there's four big tentpole movies yeah. um, of varying degrees of quality. Yeah. If I had to put those four in order just as a final thing to finish off with, Infinity War would be top which I don't think many people would disagree with. Then I would go Ant-Man and the Wasp. Then i go Black Panther. And, you know, the shit at the bottom of the shoe would be Deadpool 2. Hmm. Uh, Infinity War, Black Panther, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Deadpool. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, that's, that would be my Fair enough. order, yeah. Because we're never going to agree, of course. I mean, so. it would be boring if we did. Yeah, it would. You know. <laughs> Conversation. wouldn't have anything to call him out on like too many spies uh, <laughs> you're never going to let that down are you nope, <laughs> nope. Damn it. there's a reason your name is too many spies on our group chat <laughs> right. anyway that'll do from us um, you know, we'll, we'll probably fire up some podcasts of some kind soon but uh, until next time uh, cheers guys take it easy